0: expert and writer. I help you overcome the fear of writing and publishing your book. I offer an online course called Believe You Can Write and I support you with one-on-one coaching. Get in touch with me if you need help and please share this podcast with a friend who you know needs to hear these messages and please review this podcast or leave a comment on the platform you're listening to right now. And today I'm so excited to have Def Rivers from Switzerland with me. Def Rivers is a kitchen garden consultant, permaculture educator, and soil health advocate. She provides organic gardening education for city and suburban families that want to connect with nature, cultivate joy, and grow their own food flowers and medicine in a sustainable way. She teaches intentional eco-conscious individuals and communities about regenerative soil and gardening practices so that they are inspired and empowered to grow gardens which fill their pantry, heal our planet and nourish the soul. Welcome dear Tev. Thank you so much for having me, Esther. It's a delight to be here. So let's jump right into the first question. Well, I have to say that you also became an Amazon bestselling author. And your, your story is also in the book we just published, Inspired
1: Journeys, Women Rocks with yes. So Yes, this has been a really exciting collaboration for me.
0: How was it? Just a few words about the writing. Was it difficult to write your story or how was it?
1: You know, it was funny. I decided that I really wanted to share from a very personal place because I have used gardening to overcome a lot of anxiety that I experienced when I first moved here to Switzerland and as an American um, integrating into a new culture, also as a new mother, because I was already four months pregnant when I moved to Switzerland. And writing from this personal place, I suddenly discovered some difficulties that I wasn't expecting. I found some of these emotional experiences that I was reliving through the writing were triggering for me and um, it slowed me down in the writing process so it was really helpful to have you and michelle giuliano and denise nickerson the editorial team on the book to guide me and coach me through some of those difficult moments so that i could share this very personal story
0: Hmm. yeah it's awesome your personal story so shall we head to your turning
1: moments in life Oh, yes, I've had a few turning points in life. So I originally grew up um, with a British mother and an American father um, outside of Chicago. And so I spent my first about 20 years there growing up outside of the city in the farm fields. And then this sense of adventure really came over me. I wanted to get out of the suburbs. I wanted to do something different and my sister had already pursued a degree at the University of Hawaii, so um, I got invited to join her there, and I moved to Hawaii when I was 20 years old, and this was a huge turning point for me because it really changed my cultural perspective, it also changed my academic career, and it also showed me so much that was available in the world if we are able to live without fear to make these bold choices and so i went first to hawaii and finished my university degree there um, which was in english literature and writing and then While I was there, I met someone working at a microbrewery. I was actually um, a server in a microbrewery. And while I was there, they said, you know, you're really an Alaska girl. I think you should go to Alaska. And I followed and I finished my university degree. And as a treat to myself, I said, okay, I will pick up and take a holiday in Alaska and go see what this is all about. And that was a huge, huge turning point for me because I got picked up from the airport. I drove about 15 minutes outside of Anchorage and I saw this beautiful body of water that's called Turnigan Arm. And it's really between these two mountain valleys you have mountain peaks on either side. And the friend who had invited me and had said, I know you're an Alaska girl was sitting in the car next to me. And I just gave him kind of a friendly tap on the shoulder but really firm and said, I'm moving here. And, and that was it. I went home from that holiday, and I packed all of my things, and in about six weeks, I um, moved to Alaska. And that was really um, an eye-opening, amazing experience to be living uh, so close to nature, to be living where you can really be in the wild in just a few minutes but also you can be in the city of Anchorage, you can go to the opera, you can go to the museum and go to an art gallery. And so I found also that it connected me again with my roots um, growing up outside of Chicago because I was able to experience country living and also city life and sort of all of the social things that I enjoy and the cultural things that I enjoy living in the city. So that was a really beautiful space um, to spend all of the rest of my 20s and um, even into the first years of my 30s there in Alaska. And I would say one of my more, more recent, if you will, turning points was how I came from Alaska to Switzerland. And that really happened because I met a gentleman while I was living in Alaska who was there doing an apprenticeship as a furniture maker, and he was Swiss and he was also a fisherman. And so he met me at a party and said, oh, you you really are local here and you know where we can go fishing and I would love to do this. And we just started spending time together and, um, and then the connection grew. And so we decided, okay, this is it. We're really going to be together and um, we decided to get married, and I moved to Switzerland, so I picked up for a third time um, to make a very big move, and then as I arrived in Switzerland, it became clear that I would need to find a new path because I had gone on from the English writing. Um, I did some supply teaching in Anchorage, And I had actually gone back to school and earned my x-ray degree um, to be a board certified x-ray technician. And that career no longer fit when I got to Switzerland. So I had to pivot again um, in this turning point, arriving in a new country and and create a new path now. Yeah. Wow. What a journey. And how come that you came to
0: gardening and Your specialization you have now?
1: Yes, exactly. It was really, um, for me, it was always the love of nature, um, the love of the environment. I think living in places like Hawaii, Alaska, Switzerland, I've always connected to the environment that I'm in. And when I was living in Hawaii and Alaska, I always had rental properties um that i meaning that I was renting that I didn't own my home not that I had properties I was renting to someone else but then you always hear these excuses that oh I can't grow a garden because I only have a balcony or I'm in a rental and I began to look for ways to connect with nature anyway and also for me, it was part of my integration here in Switzerland, because I found it very lonely when I was here at first, and going out to the garden gave me a kind of belonging and a sense of connection by developing my relationship with the plants and with the wildlife that was in my garden and being a protector of those kind of small plus things. And really what happened for me was I decided, okay, I've always been interested in nature. I've always gone foraging in the, in the forests and um, even, you know, along the coastline things. But I wanted to develop more skills around specifically growing food. And so I enrolled in a woman's gardening course. She had been a dear friend of mine. Her name is Saskia Esslinger, and she teaches a green thumb online course. And I enrolled in this because she uses permaculture principles. And permaculture is a concept that comes from two different words, permanent and agriculture. And so it's the idea that we can set up these garden systems that are sustainable and not only sustainable, but regenerative. So when I took this course to improve my skills, I got a few months in and suddenly realized that I was actually using the design cycle that I was learning to design a garden to actually design my life and the habits and the patterns that I have in my life. And so I quickly realized how valuable this was for me and it really helped me to overcome some of the things I was experiencing like anxiety, loneliness, um, even overwhelm and stress because I would take time to go sit in my garden and just be there and connect on a deeper level which in turn fed me. And so it was one of those things that through healing the land, through looking at what the land needed, I was able to heal myself and just go further in um, enhancing my permaculture training and skills and really turn this backyard garden that was very neglected when I first moved here um, into a real kind of urban oasis with amazing flowers and plants and berries. Um, But it just is uplifting when you go out there. So it was really for me to have something that I could lean into that that filled me up
0: mm, beautiful death so what was your fears back then when before you started your gardening what was it being yeah moving around in life and in the world and how was it
1: yeah I was very um, fearful of not being accepted I really felt like I'm a people pleaser at heart, and I love to have good, balanced relationships with people. And I always felt no matter how much I tried, I wasn't really integrating here in Switzerland. I wasn't really making the connections, possibly feeling judgment um, from others, but also judging myself that my language wasn't good enough, that I somehow wasn't good enough. And so I was really afraid of not succeeding with the garden or not being able to connect with people. And it was actually through the gardening, through this process that I realized that these were just fears and that I could go past them. And now it's amazing because people who never spoke to me before, now when I'm out in the garden, give me a friendly hello or a smile as they go by, Or I actually love this um, other older gentleman in the village says, oh, every time I come by your garden, I take a few bay leaves for my cooking because I have a bay leaf shrub right at the edge of my property and there's a walking path. And so I found was um, as I acknowledged the fear, but did things anyway, that is really when I found the breakthroughs.
0: Mm. Beautiful. And where are about the parallels between growing a plant and healing yourself? Where do you see?
1: yeah, how does it go? So much. What I have actually really discovered for me, which sounds a little bit silly to people who are not gardening, but bear with me, is my compost pile, right? I'm always saying, Life is compostable because <laughs> things happen, things come at us, things are unexpected. Um, you know, we've experienced a lot through moving and having this, um, you know, international relationship and family. Uh, we had her who had suffered um, from some issues as a baby, and you know, it's one of those things where you suddenly realize when you go to the compost pile and you take all of these things that didn't work, uh, whether it's a failure, whether it's a plant that has shriveled up and didn't get enough water, or whether it's something that got a disease, um, but when you take these things to the compost pile and they are part of this process of composting, they come out new. They come out as nutritious, healthy compost that feeds the soil and feeds future plants and so what i was able to see was hey i can take an experience in life and lay it down on the compost pile, let it have time to decompose, to mix with the other microorganisms, and what will come out of that experience is something new. I can allow new growth from what was once negative, and so I really have used this with so many things, whether it's grief or disappointment or frustration or anger. I mean, there's nothing more cathartic and healing than turning a compost pile when you really feel like you have pent up energy that you need to get out. And so working the compost in the way that um, allows new things to come also showed me gifts of grace and forgiveness. And also, you know, being in the garden really shows me that, oh, if I forget to water the plants for a day, and then I go and give it a little bit of attention and a little bit of my awareness, (laughs) they come back, they'll forgive me. So it's also been a way for me to see how I can be easier on myself and have grace and forgiveness with myself by watching how the plants are resilient and forgive me in my actions and my practice as a gardener when I'm not perfect.
0: Oh, this is so amazing! <laughs> and Dev, when you go into your garden every morning, how how do you feel, or what do you connect, or do you do you have a, any process or meditation,
1: or what do you do? Yeah, I have a few different things I do. It depends whether I'm going for the practical gardening side of things, or whether I'm doing more of the emotional gardening, as I call it, um, or what I have come to refer to it as is tending your inner landscape, because what I see is when you have a garden space and regardless of the size, whether it's just a few pots, you know, that you're tending a few plants, or it's actually a full-sized garden, it doesn't really matter. It's more about um, being aware and having this mindfulness um, that it is a reflection of our inner landscape. When I see, oh, I'm procrastinating in the garden, it's maybe a sign that I'm procrastinating in life. So What I do is I go out um, and most of the time in the morning, I just stay open and I try to observe. And one of the principles um, of permaculture is to observe and interact. But the thing is, is that this observing and interacting is without judgment and without creating solutions so often we go out in the garden and we see oh this is wrong and this is wrong and i need to do this and it becomes to-do list but what we're actually going for is just the awareness and the space to observe and then interact with the bees and the butterflies and the hedgehog you see rustling you know under the very bushes or whatever might be in your garden Um, But I really try to connect on this level with the inner landscape in just an observation and an interaction without any judgment and without any problems. Solving. And so having a few minutes of this mindfulness really helps me to center myself, to ground um, down into my energy. I can be quite flighty and in my head and lots of thoughts going. And I really try to connect to this rooting energy of the plants. And then the other thing is that I also believe in being really practical. And that's where it comes down to. I like to break things down into three-minute jobs, five-minute jobs, um, where you're not doing all of the gardening. I find so often people will save up all the work to do at the weekend, and then they resent doing the work because it's so much, and they don't want to spend their weekend time doing that, and why am I growing this garden anyway? And what I find is when you can go out and use this method of little and often. Um, so I'm always encouraging my clients go out in the garden every day um, and th- thing you can do in five minutes. And it doesn't mean you will get all of the weeds if you pick a handful of weeds in five minutes, but you will have done some in that five minutes to move you forward. And I find that it's really those little micro shifts um, in how we how we live how we set up our energy you know this is what's so important um to be making progress in the long run
0: this is amazing Dev. how you you tell this because you can use this in every writing a book or growing a business i mean it's all about the tiny baby steps And not doing the big
1: thing and um, being frustrated because it's not get moving forward. (laughs) Absolutely. And I find so many people, and I think with all the challenges we're facing in our busy modern lives, is a lot of overwhelm. You know, and I think if we can take a step back and and be proud of ourselves for those little steps, right? And in setting up the positive. Daily habits, those small little steps that we know is something that we will accomplish every day, then we have a a springboard into the next day, and then you become happy with yourself, like, oh, I did that five minutes, and you become less focused on, oh, I didn't spend the hour doing what I wanted to do, and you just think about, like, I did this five minutes, and I this is what I got done in that time. Um, So I really, I do love this part of yeah, the way that we can, just like you said, design our life, design our garden, design a business. And I'm always coming back to um, this permaculture design cycle, because I find it so helpful to keep moving forward and keep kind of striving towards that better future for ourselves.
0: Mm. And maybe you have, having the garden, but you have one plant, you can do the same
1: exercise. Can you? Absolutely. And what I encourage is something um, either aromatic, um, you know, like herbs. So having something like a rosemary plant or a thyme or mint is because it also gives, great clarity for the mind. Um, But if you're just starting out, I recommend something like that, like a small herb garden that you don't even have to have any land. You can just have a windowsill or even a sunny window where you can have the plants inside if it's really not possible for you to have something outside. Um, But something aromatic that um, fills up your senses and also something that delights you. So if you, you know, you have to grow the garden or the plants that support you and where you are, and that's why one of the processes we go through is to write garden goals. And I always tell people, okay, we need, to, and this is similar to the writing process, right? Of thinking about the message we want to convey. Um, you know, how do we want people to feel when we're writing? And so that's the thing we have in mind with our goals when we're writing them for the garden: is you know, what do I want to accomplish? And you may have the goal, um, I want to have fresh herbs in my cooking every day, right? But it can also be, um, I want to calm my mind with these plants every day. So you can adjust them for what's right for you.
0: Mm, Beautiful, Dev. Love it. (laughs) Is there something you would recommend to people? maybe the healing process if they don't have a garden, what would you recommend?
1: Yeah, I really recommend leaning into herbs and flowers. So one of the things that I help people with is creating bespoke tea gardens and gardening and growing herbal teas is a lovely way to connect in just a small amount of space, a small amount of time because herbs are mostly perennial. A lot of them mean, uh, meaning that they will come back every year and you don't have to um, have the expense of getting new plants every year. You also don't have to have the um, investment of your time and energy. Those plants will just keep coming for you. And so many of them are medicinal and really beneficial for us Um, in this way of connecting, right? And in the different plant energies that they bring in, whether it's something that gives you increased um, health in the gut microbiome or whether it's something that will give you mental clarity if you're feeling in an afternoon that you have brain fog um, or maybe you have trouble waking up in the morning um, or even going to sleep at night. So there's all of these things that you can really tap into the plant energy. Um, And I'm a huge fan of flowers because I know when I started in this practical gardening sense, I thought, oh, there's no room for flowers and I need to have this space for vegetables and these plants and then i suddenly realized but i love the flowers because they fill me up in other ways right and so i think that we need to think not only of the harvests of the berries and the herbs and the vegetables and fruits but we need to think of the harvests of joy and peace of mind and beauty and what it means for you when you can look at um, some beautiful calendula flowers that you've grown yourself, you've watched them, um, you know, bud and then bloom, and then you can enjoy them in a vase. And that particular flower is, you know, even edible and can be made into a tea. So finding these combinations, this is one of the things permaculture that I also really use in my designs um, and connecting with things is to look at things that have multiple functions. So in permaculture, it's called stacking functions. And we want to choose plants that are not only good for the bees or can be made into a tea, but also do thin the soil, right? Or within our bodies. And so, and and or within the system as a whole. So maybe you're growing things that have lots of leafy vegetation, and then you're able to take um, the, that leafy vegetation, those extra leaves as you're trimming, and just lay it on top of the soil as a mulch. So something that comes to mind that's a beautiful combination is um, tomatoes and borage. Um, borage is an edible flower and um, has beautiful kind of star-shaped a little, fla- little blue flowers, but the calcium that are in the leaves of the borage plant actually support the tomato <clears throat> so that you don't end up with this disease called blend rot, which is not actually a disease, but it's a nutrient deficiency. So I love the way that you can with these relationships you can play with how things are connected and when you choose things that have these stacking functions these multiple functions you are getting multiple benefits out of just one or two plants Um, even if it's in a small space and even if you have limited time you can still connect in a very intentional way with that tomato plant or that borage plant and bring it into the kitchen and into Your entertaining or your daily life, whatever you want to be doing.
0: (laughs) Beautiful, beautiful. So, thank you, thank you so much, Steph, for sharing your wisdom today with us. (laughs) This is beautiful.
1: Thank you. It's been wonderful to be here.
0: So, thank you also, dear listener, for helping to spread the word about this podcast and helping those who need to hear these messages. And have an amazing day and talk to you next week.